This is a podcast about betting on sports, which is something you can do to try and make money. One important thing to know is that this podcast is not going to be the reason you get rich from sports betting. To repeat, we are not going to get you rich. Their sleazeballs abound all over the internet who will be happy to take your money to chase that lie. Here, at best, we might make you a little bit less awful of a better if you're lucky. Bet at your own risk. Do not bet more than you can afford to lose. And Godspeed. Welcome again, valued listeners. Coming at you live October 27th, 2021. Jay Swa, what have we for the people this week? We got uh, week eight in the NFL approaching nearly halfway through the fabulous year in the NFL. Hard to believe, but uh, time flies when you're having fun with Roger Goodell. Mm-hmm. World Series started last night. Your Atlanta Braves. I know you're a big closet Braves fan. They won last night, but uh, something tells me those Strohs, they're going to make it a series. What's up with you? I would agree with that. Not too much to report from my end. I do have a legendary degeneracy trade to go over that we'll touch on. But other than that, making it happen, dude. Being silent, Rob, you know how this goes. Yes. Yes. Silent but deadly. Did you want to go over that before we talked about Survivor and got into football? Or did you want to save that for a little bit later? Let's do it. I'll hit it quick. So as reported by Morning Brew, which is a email newsletter, a pretty good one. I recommend them both on Twitter and in your email inbox. An Ethereum wallet, an unknown person, bought $8,000 worth of some random ass token called SHIB, Shiba Inu coin. Last August, as of current calculations, that is now worth, well, earlier today, $5.7 billion in uh, fake internet dog money, making this, one might argue, one of the greatest trades of all time. We're in the midst of greatness. You got to go way down the shitcoin list to try to get this level of greatness. But I don't know, man. It's funny. Tip your cap. Five. Well, now down to $5.4 billion. We're probably down to $3 billion by the time this podcast comes out. Whatever. Who cares? I'm rooting for these degenerates who are making history. Yeah, I, I really thought you were kidding when you mentioned this, but I'm looking at the blockchain transaction and it seems to check out. Still don't really know how to process this. We mentioned before the show that pretty much at this point, if you think this isn't a simulation, I don't know what to tell you at this point. Mm-hmm. Wow, impressive. Have you ever made a trade like that or, or anything similar come to your mind? I, I'm still in shock. You told me this about 10 minutes ago and I I'm really still trying to digest it. I have done nothing. Not only have I never made a trade remotely like this, I would not be doing this podcast. Sorry, bro. But I also, I don't think I've ever bought anything that has that type of potential in going from 8,000 to 5.7 billion in 400 days. We could do a simulation of like how many prop bets and uh, parlays you would have to hit to make that and yeah. you know, the, the likelihood of that. That's pretty small. But the cool thing about shit coins is that they don't, for the most part, they don't expire. So you can, it's like lottery tickets that, you know, can just accumulate dust on Ethereum for a long time until maybe they do something or maybe they never do and you got scammed. But life goes on. The circus goes on. Yeah. This kind of brings me to something I was thinking about today. So on Wednesdays, I have coffee and only one day a week I have coffee now. And today's my coffee day because I get up a little bit earlier and, and do some waiver transactions. 
before all the West Coasters get up in all my leagues. Yeah, you got Alex Caruso out from under me, and good job, and I hate you. Yeah, I'm talking about football, but yes, Alex Caruso, personal hero, also very, we look pretty similar. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> Devlin doppelganger. Yeah, I, th- I think I'm slightly taller than him. I think he's only like 6'4". Right. But, uh, but anyways, and I was thinking about the book that you lent me, or maybe I bought with you, uh, from you, uh, along with some NBA Top Shot packs about the psychology of money and talking about how no one's crazy with what they do with their money. Mm-hmm. They, it may seem crazy, but to them, in their mind, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. And the author was giving a suggestion about people who play the lottery and you know, working class, even middle to upper middle class people. It seems idiotic to play the lottery. And, and by the math, it is. But obviously, the lottery gets called a like a regressive tax because usually people with very low or, or limited disposable income are the ones that make up the majority who play it. And in their minds, and if you kind of put your your head in there, you know, or put your your uh, feet in their shoes, it kind of makes sense. Essentially, very limited opportunities to have these you know million dollar dreams or insert a large amount of money dreams and. Pretty much the only logical way is to win the lottery. Is you know, obviously they're not running the numbers, they're not crunching the numbers, but it is at least saying, "Hey, I know of somebody's second cousin, or I read, saw on the news where this person won the lottery," and that's the closest they're going to get to such an asymmetrical bet, even if it has negative expected value. You know, you putting, you know, you buying a bunch of bonds will never get you to the potential upside that playing the lottery would. I know that's not exactly the same thing, but you're just kind of equating things to a lottery. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about that this morning. Things just kind of came a little full circle there. Love it. Yep. Contextual upside and yeah, individual circumstances may vary. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. This is not an endorsement to play the lottery. Asymmetrical bets, yes, but but don't think the lottery. Uh, I think you can find some better asymmetrical bets, shit coins, cryptocurrency, and other ventures. But Enough of that. Let's get to why people tune into this this uh, podcast and let's talk a little National Football League. First and foremost, we have our survivor. Two people did not survive the weekend. <laughs> right. Huh. Yes. Myself and high school buddy Ben, we both did not make a, se- a selection. I don't know why Ben didn't make a selection. I consciously did not make a selection to bring awareness to an issue in my area. <laughs> That's why I didn't do that. As Rob, we talked before the show, there is a, a, a bus driver strike in my school district. And I made the decision Sunday morning, calculated to bring awareness to the issue, to not pick a survivor so that mm-hmm. people will understand the bus driver's plight and what they're going through right now. They're, they're trying to get better working conditions, trying to get an increase in pay. And I am, I am with them. And that's why I consciously... <laughs> chose not to make a selection this past week. Obviously, the Rams or the Cardinals were easy decisions, but obviously I made the conscious decision to stand with the bus drivers and bring awareness to this issue. Really brave. Honestly, it reminds me of similar bravery when Kendall Jenner and Pepsi teamed up to shoot a commercial about you know crossing the picket lines of protesters mm-hmm. for police brutality and sharing a Pepsi and just you know, making that human connection. So really brave of you, not at all embarrassing and, and totally cool and well done. Yeah. Thank you. 
thing. It was, I mean, I, I went back and forth and I just kind of, I'm not just a podcaster. I'm more than a podcaster and I have to use my platform to bring uh, the real issues to light. And, you know, I understand you're still in the rat race, Rob, and I get that you're immature, <laughs> but one day you'll understand why I made the conscious decision to not pick a team last week. Mm-hmm. And it's like, a hu- it's like a hunger strike, but with, with survivor. Yeah. Well, you know me, I, I would do anything before a hunger strike. <laughs> <laughs> so I was going through the list and it was a, it was a survivor mm-hmm. awareness protest that I right. landed on. Cool. So, so there's 13 people left. Congratulations. You outlasted me. I mean, you really didn't. I didn't make a selection, so you didn't really outlast me. But that was part of the sign-up. So you should have gotten your five Monopoly dollars. If you didn't get that, please let me know. Damn, I'm pissed about this, dude, because this was a real opportunity for me. And then I picked the damn Packers, who haven't lost since. <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling like I got chipped, bro. Next year, <laughs> next year I'm coming for your ass. Last year... I, I did uh, a legal, not that this is illegal, but it's not probably not 100% kosher. Obviously, it's monopoly money, but I did a legal survivor contest in Vegas. Went out there. I hired somebody to make my picks every week. You know, one grand, an entry. Three of my first five, week one, were the Colts against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Same exact scenario. The Jaguars did not win the remainder of the year. Mm-hmm. And the Colts made the playoffs. So I, I'm with you. Survivor is a lot of fun. So I, I've talk to a lot of people who this is their first year playing it and they're very excited for next year we're going to do a similar thing next year if you beat me you'll get a you'll get a reward and also if you get somebody to sign up and they beat me you'll also get a reward as will they so just an added element to it to help some uh, promotion aspect and have a little bit of fun hopefully i won't be a fucking moron and forget to double check my selections next year it's funny i'm in two other survivor leagues i made those selections for some reason i didn't make it in ours, but what I do for the bus drivers. Yep. But this week, I think it's pretty straightforward. If you're in a small contest like ours, where there's only 13 people remaining, if you have the Rams or the Bills, I think that's a pretty straightforward selection. I know a lot of people have used both of them. The next most likeliest will probably be the Bengals, who are 10.5 point favorites against the New York Jets. It's a really weird spot for the Bengals. They just had a pretty much their best win in maybe three to four years against the Baltimore Ravens as six and a half point underdogs. Now they're traveling for a third straight road game to beautiful New York, or should I say East Rutherford, New Jersey, to play the Jets as 10 and a half point favorites, as I mentioned. Just a really weird spot. I'm not going to fault anyone for taking it, but if you have the Kansas City Chiefs, 10 and a half or nine and a half, 10 point favorites against the Giants at home, I would use them before using the Bengals. Conversely, if you're in a bigger tournament, say 100 people left, 200, 500 people left, I would then burn the Bengals this weekend and you kind of have to live with it to keep your your aces in your your sleeve a little bit longer. But Rams, Bills, Bengals, Chiefs, I don't think there's any reason to go outside of that. Anything before we move to the Thursday night game, Rob, or anything about the bus drivers you want to mention, or are you just going to side with the school district and your other crony buddies? No, bus drivers union for life, dude. And now let's hit the rest of the games. So Thursday night, we have the Green Bay Packers visiting beautiful Arizona. Arizona undefeated. Blew out the Houston Texans last week. Green Bay Packers kind of got lucky to to beat the Washington football team handedly. The Washington football team turned the ball over several times in Green Bay territory. But what else can you expect from a dog shit organization like the Washington football team? Arizona opened a four-point favorite. It's up to six-and-a-half-point favorite. 
total down to 49 and a half. It opened around 52, 53. This is all about the COVID outbreak for the Green Bay Packers. They're going to be without their best overall player, Devontae Adams, their star wide receiver. At least one other wide receiver, Alan Lazard, will be out. And it could be potentially more, as I believe it was a defensive coach that was the first to test positive. But the big loss here is Devontae Adams. There should be scantly. Their third wide receiver should be coming back, but he's coming back from a hamstring injury, really hard to bank on anything for him. So it might be the Randall Cobb show, a little bit of TBT on a Thursday night in the desert. As far as betting this, I don't want anything to do with it. I've been betting against the the Cardinals several times this year. I, I don't think that they're the best team in the NFL, but they are certainly not the worst team, probably the third or fourth best team so far, the last undefeated and just getting a really tricky spot here with the Packers with so many injury or I shouldn't say injuries with the, the COVID losses. I think it'd be a really interesting game to watch, but I, I can't make a selection either way on it. But I will definitely be enjoying this game as this is two of the better teams you're going to find on a Thursday night. Anything about your beloved Cardinals or can we move to Sunday night, Rob? Take me to Sunday. Sunday, there's some interesting games. I think one of the ones I, I have a, at least a stronger position on is the Indianapolis Colts hosting the Tennessee Titans as a one-point favorite and about a 51-point total. The Tennessee Titans are off two major wins, the best back-to-back wins of anyone by far has in the NFL this year, yet they're a one-point underdog against a team they've already beaten this year. So my spidey senses go up right away when I see something like that. So Tennessee two weeks ago beat Buffalo in, in how I felt was a very lucky victory. And then last week they beat the Kansas City Chiefs. Both games were at home, but they destroyed the Kansas City Chiefs last year, or excuse me, last week. The Chiefs weren't even able to score a touchdown. To me, it's just a big outlier performance. The Titans are a little bit better than I expected, but I was kind of under market on, on them. And seeing how the Colts, with so many losses this year, I think four, maybe even five losses this year, the fact that they're a favorite after two monster, monster wins for the Titans says enough for me. I won't be betting the Titans. There's a better way to bet this, I believe. I'm going to mention later in the show, but I do like the Colts in this game. Total 51, opened at 47s, crept up to 51. I, if I had to pick it, I would take the over if I had to. I think both offenses are a little bit underrated, and I think the Titans' defense is absolute dog shit, where the Colts' defense is a little bit closer to average than people think. Another interesting game, Pittsburgh Steelers traveling to beautiful Cleveland, Ohio. Cleveland Browns, a three-and-a-half-point favorite, total at 42, so a relatively low total. Even with their backup quarterback, they are a three-and-a-half-point favorite, and that should say a lot about this game. I think that... Cleveland last week playing on Thursday night. They had their backup quarterback. Pretty much dominated the game, even though they only won by three points against the Broncos. Says a lot about them coming into this game here with Baker Mayfield most likely not playing. But Case Keenum, as I mentioned last podcast, had a really good season with the Vikings three or four years ago with then-offensive coordinator, current head coach for the Cleveland Browns, Kevin Stefanski. And he looked pretty good managing that offense but the main thing is, is the offensive line for the Cleveland Browns is really getting things done. Even without Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, they were able to run the ball. And that's really their offensive coordinator, or excuse me, their O-line coach, Callahan, is probably a top five offensive line coach of all time. And you can see that when you kind of just can replace guys off the quote-unquote street with your kind of major studs and you, you get the kind of production they had against a, 
a relatively good defense. I mean, not a great defense, but a good defense with the Broncos. So seeing how this game opened at three and it's moving three and a half with the Browns, I'm not personally going to bet this game as I think that that three and a half is a little high to overcome. I've talked about in nauseam this year, how I'm pretty much anti Steelers. If I had to indirectly or directly bet this game, I would take that Steelers under wins bet that I've already placed preseason and once more during the season. But I think you can get a seven and a half right now. And another way to bet this, I'll mention later through the futures market with the Browns. But I do like the Browns in this game. I just don't like that three and a half with such a low total at four, 42 and a half points. Another really interesting game, Tampa Bay, a six-point favorite traveling to New Orleans uh, with a total of 50 points. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, man, they, they are a hell of a team. They got this quarterback, Tom Brady. Rob, I don't know if you've ever heard of this guy, but he is pretty decent. Yeah, I, I don't know what else to say. All sarcasm aside, he, he's just been absolutely unreal this year. They throw the ball so much, and we talk about how nerds love that because mathematically that's the right thing to do. But the biggest thing is, from a, a betting standpoint, is when you throw the ball so often, it prevents the clock from running, unless, of course, you complete the, the ball, which is a good thing. And you're obviously going to pick up more yardage when you throw the ball. So what it allows is these spreads where you see they're a six-point favorite and a total of 50, but the, given how much they throw the ball, they can cover that in so many different scenarios. On the other side of the ball, New Orleans Saints, I think they were – a little unfortunate not to put up more points against the Seattle Seahawks on Monday night. That being said, this is more of a defensive team. I don't necessarily like laying the points with the Buccaneers, but if I had to bet it, I would take the Buccaneers. Just anytime you're getting divisional matchups as these two teams are divisional rivals, that kind of most times, especially with good coaching that the Saints have, benefits the underdogs. But gun to my head, I'm definitely taking the Buccaneers minus five and a half, some places minus six before I would take the Saints but I am not going to put any real hard-earned digital or real dollars on this, Rob. Anything before we get to the two primetime games and a couple other games I just wanted to briefly touch on? Pump it, Tom. Pump it, Tom Brady. He gave a, is apparently giving a Bitcoin to someone for, for in exchange for his 600th touchdown ball as a, as a plebe, as a noob. I say thumbs up. Way to say it on national television. I also acknowledge that that might be an actual like preordained advertising promotional thing, but still like it. Yeah. So I think something you would actually enjoy, Rob, within National Football League, which is not many things. Most Monday nights, or I should say that maybe two thirds of Monday nights, Peyton and Eli broadcast the, the Monday Night Football game on ESPN2. And it is very, very enjoyable. Peyton being Mr. Serious, Mr. Businessman, and Eli being just Oxford's favorite son, just a goofball with a, with a hilarious smirk on his face. It's really great. They had Marshawn Lynch on, who I think said shit about three times on the broadcast. Peyton, of course, had to apologize for his language. Eli was just cracking up. I think Marshawn Lynch revealed that he uh, used to take shots of Hennessy before football games. Just some great A content that I, I would never expect to be on a Monday Night Football game. But pretty much as close to genuine as you're going to get with anything to do with the NFL. And just, just like fun. So I do recommend that to anyone who hasn't checked that out yet. But yeah, the Sunday night game, or excuse me, before we got to that, Tom Brady was a guest and he, he pumped Bitcoin and NFT. He has an NFT company, autograph.com, which partners with DraftKings and have done a couple of drops on there. So 
yeah, Tom Brady, he knows what's up. He's a, he's all about the NFTs and the Bitcoin. He's secure in the bag. He's secure in the bag. Peyton Manning is actually also a investor in MLB Candy, which is MLB's version of NBA Top Shot, mm. which actually has a drop tomorrow, Thursday. If you're probably listening to this, it might be too late, but I think it's 12 o'clock Eastern Standard on Thursday. Yeah, it's the prospects. They had their first drop on Tuesday. It didn't go very smoothly, but it did sell out. And they have another NFT drop on Thursday. Is this an NFT pod, Rob, or sports betting? I forget. God damn it. <laughs> Sunday night, I, I hate to mention it, but, uh, but a really interesting game for me. The Dallas Cowboys, a one and a half point favorite, traveling to beautiful Minnesota uh, to play the Vikings. A total of 53 and a half, one of the highest totals of the week. It's actually trending towards 54, maybe even 55 by kickoff. I really think this is going to be an electric back and forth game. I do think the Cowboys are a better team. They're also a, a more optimally coached team. I don't want to say a better coach team because I don't think Mike McCarthy is a great coach, but offensively they play a more optimal style of football. And that really comes down to throwing the ball and throwing the ball deep. Whereas Minnesota still likes to uh, hashtag establish the run more traditional. That being said, Kirk Cousins played really well this year. Problem is his coaching staff doesn't utilize it. So I'm not going to have a bet in this game. An angle I might look at is if maybe the Vikings go up 10 points or something of that nature, the Cowboys would then be forced to throw the ball a little bit more and in comeback mode, throwing the ball. I would probably be looking to take the Cowboys if I can get them maybe plus three, plus three and a half in that scenario. But right now, as as short favorites, I want nothing to do with either side of this game. And then Sunday night, we have the New York Giants traveling to Kansas City. Kansas City is a nine and a half point favorite and a 52 and a half point total. Biggest result of the weekend and maybe even of the year was Kansas City getting shellacked in Nashville. Kansas City did not score an offensive touchdown. I do not know if that's ever happened under Pat Mahomes' tenure. I would venture to guess it has not. I live bet the Chiefs as we've done and has been positive ROI for all of Patrick Mahomes' existence. And that that loss, and it did not only just lose, it, it, it lost by a lot. It was plus money, so hey, if you're going to lose, at least lose with, with a higher upside or asymmetrical bet. But I did not watch the game. From what I've read, the Chiefs just look really out of sync. I, I kind of had one eye on this game via the box score and just the success we've had with betting the Chiefs in comeback mode. Usually I, I use the eyeball test a little bit more than your average better, but just given the success we've had, I saw the situation. I saw the Chiefs got the ball for the second half. I placed a, a bet plus money. And it did not come to fruition. I live with it. But I'm very curious to watch this team, given the struggles they have had. You know, I'm reading a lot of articles about it and whatnot. And it's really hard to separate signal and noise, as we've talked about with the the limited sample size. If you gave me one team to win the Super Bowl, it would not be the Chiefs. That being said, I think there's probably only two teams I would select, maybe three before the Chiefs, just given their upside and still their, their belief that I think they will get things together. But it is... Definitely somewhat alarming, to say the least. Anything before I get into some of the other games I want to mention and a couple of futures bets there, Rob? Yeah, double-click on this Chiefs thing real quick. Chiefs futures, anything about kind of Chiefs mean reverting interest you at this point? Have they have they dropped in value enough? Like I, when I see the headlines that are extremely negative about the Chiefs, I mm-hmm. tend to think probably value buy, probably mean reverting, like the, the initial scope for this team preseason was it really that that wrong or are they destined to like literally not make the playoffs what's our what's our sense here yeah i mean they you know they're, they're still favored to make the playoffs as of now 
preseason they were minus one thousand, which means you have to bet a thousand dollars to win a hundred. Now you have to bet right around two hundred bucks to win a hundred. So it's considerably come down. And their projected wins preseason was a little over twelve and a half. So pretty much twelve point seven. Now they're sitting at about nine point seven. So they're three wins less projected. Uh, and I think you just have to be strategic with it because the way the playoffs are set up, they're pretty much assured they're not going to get the one seat in the AFC. So that means they're going to play three playoff games. So then you really kind of get into motivation of, yes, they got to make the playoffs, but is there really that much difference of being a five, six, or seven seed? If they win the division, maybe they're a three seed. So that's where you get in those motivation. I would rather see them turn the corner a little bit. They're still most likely, even if they say they raffle off two, three, four wins, they're probably going to lose another game, maybe two or three. And once that happens, after I've seen a little bit of turn, maybe they hit a little bit of variance in the negative for, for one game and then maybe buy that dip just because it, it is very alarming. But hey, if you want to put a bet on on the Chiefs over or the Chiefs, you know, if you get a good number at them to, to win the conference or Super Bowl and you want to fire at it, that's good. Right now I'm seeing at the conference somewhere around seven to one. That's not good enough for me just because the conference is so good. The Bills, the Ravens, the Browns, the Chargers. There, there's a lot of good teams in this division. So the price is not necessarily right for me yet. I would rather pay maybe four to one or five to one in two or three weeks once they turn the corner a little bit, mm-hmm. rather than to kind of speculatively buy this right now. If this was down to like nine to one, 10 to one, that's a different story. Uh, right now, the, the price is just not right for me to make that bet. If I had to make a, a, a bet on them turning around, I would take the nine and a half wins over, but you are laying a little bit of juice with that. But yeah, that, that's my stance with the Chiefs right now. Cool. Yep. A uh, few things I want to mention, games I'm not betting, but if I had to, and they're just kind of interesting to me, Jaguars traveling to Seattle. Seattle's only a three-point favorite with a low total of 43 and a half points. Jags are coming off a bye. If they weren't coming off a bye, I would be looking to bet the Jags here, both plus three, maybe even gets to three and a half, as well as teased up. But the Jaguars are coming off a bye. And given the Urban Meyer scandal and all that, it's just there's such a wide range of outcomes with this Jags. I could see but the Seahawks are a team in trouble right now. San Francisco, uh, minus four currently, uh, traveling to Chicago on Sunday. Very low total. I think the lowest of the week at 39 and a half. If it gets to four and a half, I will think about playing it, but I will most likely tease this to 10 and a half. Just that's 25% of the points. If you get 10 and a half points and the, spread, and the total is 39 and a half on the road, San Francisco is a better team, but Chicago is not that, that bad. Then another interesting game, New England traveling to the LA Chargers. Chargers are a five and a half point favorite, total at 49 and a half points. Chargers are coming off a bye as well. First year coach, this was a different coach or them not coming off a bye. I would probably look to bet the Chargers. But two weeks ago, we saw the Chargers absolutely lay an egg in Baltimore after first five weeks really performing well. I just don't want to touch this given that it's a first-year coach against Bill Belichick on the road. But numbers-wise, I do like the Chargers there if I had to bet it. And then two futures, the Colts to win the division, 4-1. to one. I really like this bet, putting two units on it. This is the way you're going to bet this game. If Indianapolis wins this game, they're one game behind Tennessee. It's a two-horse race with the Titans and the Colts, Jaguars, and Texans. Pretty much no chance of winning the division. And just such a high leverage game this week with the Indianapolis being a one-point favorite. 
to a little around 50, maybe 51, 52% of the time they win this week. At least that's what the market's expecting. If the Colts win, I think you'll probably see that number come down to maybe two and a half, maybe even closer to two to one. Even if you wanted to get off that bet, you could get on the Titans next week. I think if you look at the, the Colts schedule the next two weeks, I think they play the Jets and the Jaguars, two really winnable games. So spot I kind of had circled. I was almost hoping the Colts lost this past weekend against the 49ers, but they won. But the Titans surprisingly beat the Chiefs. So I think you're kind of getting the, the sky high with the, the Titans right now. And as I mentioned before, the fact that the Colts are a favorite against the team that just beat the Bills and Chiefs in back-to-back weeks says a lot. The other futures I want to bet is another futures I've mentioned, the Browns three and a half to one to win the division. Bengals upset the, the Ravens last week. Ravens are on a bye. The Bengals most likely will beat the Jets, but I wouldn't be shocked if the Jets pulled that upset. And then the Browns are placing are facing the Steelers. I think if the Steelers lose this game, they're essentially eliminated from the division race, which would impact the Browns indirectly. And then, of course, that would also mean the Browns would have won. So I would expect the Browns' price to probably be closer to two to one, maybe even under two to one, if they do win this game. Thoughts, feelings, bus driver thoughts there, Rob. No, no, no feelings, no thoughts. I'm a robot. I'm going out to just buy Shiba Inu and see if it does the same thing. I, I could turn my you know ten dollars into a billion. That would be good. That would be good. You'd be you'd be a cool uncle if you if you made that happen. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Well, uh, we appreciate everybody tuning in. We'll see you guys next week. Peace.